Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one. Swan Lane drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. He is safe. Green run. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome to our Veterans Day edition of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host Jason Powers down here in. Rainy Tampa, Florida. We got a little hurricane that's getting ready to approach the state here on the East Coast, and we're getting a bunch of wind and rain over here in the Tampa Bay area as as a result of the hurricane. We appreciate you finding us. The podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's here in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Uh, Hank's Barbecue as well, as well as Home Slice Pizza Company, Titan Home Lending, and our friends at Print and Marketing Solutions, and our Tampa Realtor, Star Alvarado. So we want to thank all of our partners for being involved in our podcasts. Remember, I'm also the host of the Florida Football Insiders podcast as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And I also do an all-Bucks-centric podcast called No Quarter Given, which you can find all those all of our podcasts on all your podcast platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify. I also post all of my all the all the interviews you're going to hear on all the podcasts as well on my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel on YouTube. So check it out if you want to see the video interviews that we're having uh, on all of our podcasts. Go to the YouTube channel and subscribe, and you'll get them every week. So got a good episode for you this week. We're going to talk to Chris Perez. Chris is our uh, baseball analyst. He's a two-time MLB All-Star closer with the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians. Also played with the Cardinals and the Dodgers. We're going to break down the Houston Astros winning their second World Series in the last six years. We're going to talk about are they a dynasty. We're going to talk a little all, all the uh, some decision making by some of the manager managerial decisions in the series, especially in Game Six. We're also going to talk a little college football. Chris is a uh, well versed in the college football world, so we're going to talk some college football playoff uh, scenarios, top four, who can who can um, create some chaos which teams are still alive and which teams are done. So that'll be a good chat. You'll enjoy that with Chris Perez. Before we get to Chris, I want to just, again, uh, it's, it's coming up on Veterans Weekend this weekend on Friday. So please, please, anybody you know in your circle of friends and family, make sure they know how much you, how much we appreciate their service and their commitment to keeping us safe and allowing us to all the freedoms that we have, uh, so many more freedoms than so many other people have around the uh the globe so um so make sure you reach out and, and and thank somebody even if it's somebody you don't even know that if you know they were in the military or former military give them a, give them an out of boy and out of girl for their service so speaking of that freedom you saw the news that Brittany griner has been transferred from a moscow jail to now a penal colony uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of the Russian uh, prison system, but from all indications, a penal colony is much more uh, uh, nerve-wracking, much more harder to sur- you know live and survive and do all the things that happens when you're in, pr- in prison than a normal jail, scout- jail cell in Moscow, 
We're not sure where she's at in Russia. We've just been told that she's been transferred to a penal colony. This is just a terrible situation in general. Unfortunately, I think she's going to sit in wherever she's at. She's going to stay there until the U.S. and Putin come to an agreement on a, on a prisoner swap. I know the other, uh, you know, with all with the U.S. Ukraine situation, I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. I think Putin is going to wait until the bitter end to make any kind of move here. Uh, so it's probably going to be, unfortunately, much longer period of time before she gets out of jail. Hopefully, nothing bad happens to her when she's in this penal colony. But again, uh, the Brittany Griner situation—that's the update that just happened earlier in the week. So, we, so it's important that we tell you what's going on there. So. A couple things I want to hit on before we get to Chris. The interesting move by the Indianapolis Colts. They let go Frank Reich earlier in the week as the head coach. And they and they hire out of the blue Jeff Saturday, the former Colts center. Uh, longtime uh, Colt consultant with Jim Irsay. No coaching experience. Has a little bit of high school coaching. But I don't even think he was a head coach at where he was at in high school. Coaching down in Georgia. He's been an analyst on ESPN for, for, for several years. Does a good job on their morning show. He's now been thrusted into the head coaching job here for the last eight games of the regular season. I actually, a lot of people are, are criticizing the move from the perspective of, well, why didn't they promote somebody within the staff? Why didn't they give somebody an opportunity? Well, the two people, that the, the most obvious two people on that staff that potentially could have got the opportunity, Gus Bradley and John Fox, these guys are retreads. No way I'm putting John Fox for eight games. No way I'm putting Gus Bradley in charge. We know what those people are. These guys are as head coaches. Um, why not give a guy an opportunity? Again, I understand that he doesn't have any coaching experience. Why not give the guy an opportunity if you trust him? If you think he has a good football mind as far as being a CEO, nobody's expecting Jeff Saturday to come in and, and implement a new offense. You've got coaches on the staff that have been doing that, can call plays. You got Gus Bradley can call the defense. I think it's an actually it's a it's an out of the box good hire in my opinion. Worst case scenario, most in most situations, most interim coaches don't get the job anyway. So what's the risk of bringing in a guy who you think's got some potential and you think could be a spark here? Um, bring him in, give him an eight game eight 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 week tryout, nine week tryout. He might hate it after eight or nine weeks and say, you know what, Jim, I don't want to do this. Or he might show some people. Hey, he's got the knack for this and being a CEO, being a guy. Long-time offensive lineman, so I know he'll provide some input on the offensive side of the ball as far as offensive line play. Their line has been massively underachieving this year. They've got a very good offensive line in theory, but they have not performed very well. The offense has been bad. The quarterback play's not been good. Uh, the defense is underachieved as well under Bradley. So why are you going to make Gus Bradley the coach? John Fox is probably 65 years old. I'm not making him the coach either. That's just a waste of time and a waste of space. Good job by Jim Irsay giving this guy an opportunity. Um, if it doesn't work out, then you go hire somebody in the offseason. You're going to know probably four or five weeks into this whether it's going to work out or not, whether he's got an acumen for doing this. Can he command the room with the players? I'm sure the players are pissed out, pissed off right now because what? Well, Jeff Saturday, who the hell is this guy? Give him four or five weeks. You'll know, the organization will know, the players will know sooner rather than later whether this guy has some opportunity down the road to, to, to progress to do this. I think it's a pretty cool hire. Um, there is no Rooney rule mandate, so the argument of why, why aren't they interviewing uh, minority coaches, that's not the rule. You don't have to do that, so I don't blame Jim Ursay. I've never, you know, 
I'm sure he, you know, he, he has been very progressive. He's hired Jim Caldwell. He's hired Tony Dungy. So don't lay into Jim Ursay for not being part of the, uh, uh, you know, hiring practices of trying to be progressive. He's done a pretty good job over the years of doing that. Again, I think this is a pretty interesting hire, and give it a chance. We'll see what happens. It may turn, it may be a disaster, and then they'll go, then they'll clean house and go hire somebody. Or you never know; it could turn out to be something good, where they, you know, he might, he might at the end of the year show he can do it, wants to do it, um, and we'll see how it goes. So that's my view on uh, Jeff Saturday. Again, they've got more problems than the head coach. They've got some personnel problems. They've done some. Poor job of evaluating the quarterback position position with Frank Reich. Um, you know, not all Frank Reich's fault, but ultimately, he's the one that has to pick the, help pick the quarterbacks. You know, they had Philip Rivers, they had Carson Wentz. Now they've had Matt Ryan. You got have never drafted a guy. I don't, I don't think Sam Ellinger's the guy. Who knows? He's probably be a backup guy, but I don't think he's the long term answer here. But again, Jeff Saturday maybe will provide some inspiration in the locker room. See how it goes in Indianapolis' last eight games of the regular season. <coughs> a couple other things. Reminder, we're also, I'm going to be at Beefo Brady's in Tampa on Saturday over on Himes and Bush Boulevard. I'm going to be doing a live streaming game day live uh, live streaming show. So if you're in the area and want to stop by and say hello, we're going to be live streaming it. If you want to jump aboard and ask some questions on Twitter, at JPO Sports. I'll answer them live on the air during our game day live broadcast. We're going to be doing a little college football preview. We're going to be pre- previewing the Sunday slate in the NFL. Remember, the Bucks and Seahawks are in Munich, Germany this week. First ever game in Germany uh, here for the, for the Buccaneers. My guy TJ Reeves getting ready to get onto a plane and head to Munich on Thursday. Be a pretty cool experience playing in the, in the Bayern Munich Stadium against the Seahawks. Big game for both teams, them and the Seahawks. Seahawks may be the one or two most surprising teams in the NFL. Bucks with a huge win on Sunday, beating the Rams. Brady with a with a late, late comeback, late in the fourth quarter to, to bail it out and win the game 16-13. So be interesting uh, game there. Not a great uh, college football slate this week. You got a couple decent games. You got Alabama Ole Miss, which has a little implication in the SEC West. You got... LSU-Arkansas, kind of a sneaky game at 12 o'clock. Can LSU, LSU controls their destiny in the SEC West after beating Bama in the dramatic overtime game. And we're going to, we, Chris and I, are, Chris Perez and I talk about that. But major cojones for Brian Kelly to go for two in that first overtime. Most coaches would not do that. Give him credit. I think he did it because if you recall, LSU scored on the first play. They had the ball in overtime. Jalen Jalen Jaden Daniels ran 25 yards for a touchdown. I think he had the momentum, the crowd. He had the Alabama defense a little off balance because it was a one-play drive. So give massive kudos to Brian Kelly for establishing uh, the the uh, the winning mentality in Baton Rouge. LSU has will go to the playoff if they run the table. If they for somehow can beat Georgia or win the last three games in the SEC and then beat Georgia, they're going to the playoff with two losses. Remember, they lost the fluky game against Florida State in week one on the block extra point. But again, what a job by Brian Kelly getting this team better and better every week. It was a great atmosphere in Baton Rouge. And again, uh, you're going to hear Chris and I talk about the college football playoffs. So I won't, I won't get too much into the college football until you go listen to Chris and I cut it up about college football so uh, again shout out to the Astros for winning the World Series 
Uh, World Cup roster got got uh, picked today for the United States. Interesting uh, guy was left off. There, the, um, a lot of people thought their number one goalie, Zach Steffen, left off the roster as they're going to go to Qatar here in a couple of weeks. So if you're a soccer fan, interesting move. All the all the World Cup rosters are getting announced here in the in the coming days. So. Uh, the World Cup will start, I believe it's the uh, Thanksgiving week. And I know the U.S. plays that, that Friday after, the Friday after Thanksgiving, the U.S. has their first World Cup game. So lots of soccer for all of us soccer fans out there. World Cup, it's a pretty cool month of soccer. Even if you're not a huge soccer fan, it'll be a cool month of, uh, of games and drama and all that stuff uh, from Qatar. So um, NFL picks for the weekend, a couple college picks, NFL picks. For the weekend, the NFL again, interesting slate of games. You got Germany with the Bucks and Seahawks in Munich. You've got uh, on Sunday night. You got Chargers, San Francisco. You got Dallas going to Green Bay. You got Indianapolis with Saturday going to Vegas. Um, you have uh, let's see, looking at the slate here. Not a great slate. I mean, to be honest with you, you got the Giants and, and the Texans. You got four or five teams with bye weeks. Uh, you got an interesting game. Cleveland-Miami potentially is an interesting game. And then you got the Josh Allen situation in Buffalo. UCL injury, ligament injury in his elbow. Again, I, I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't sound like that's great as for a quarterback trying to throw the ball uh, all around, having a ligament problem in your, in your throwing elbow. So would not shock me if he doesn't play for the next week or two. Give it some rest. That's, that is a situation to keep an eye on as we move into November and December. How will that elbow hold up? Lots of speculation that Matthew Stafford had some elbow problems going into this year. They've not played well. The Rams, he's not played really well. Who knows how much that's bothering him. Uh, but again, keep your eye out on uh, the Buffalo Bills situation, Josh Allen. Case Keenum is the backup in Buffalo. So if you're a fantasy guy and you need a second quarterback in your league, if you play two quarterbacks, Case Keenum might be a guy to look at for a couple weeks if you need a guy. So... Um, Interesting situation potentially developing in Buffalo. Kansas City, Mahomes bails them out again on Sunday night. Uh, what a performance by Mahomes. And again, uh, again, it's Armageddon for the Green Bay Packers. If they go down to Dallas, go to 3-7, and seven, it is completely lights out in Green Bay. But uh, could they salvage their – could they stay alive if they beat the Cowboys? Yes. Interesting game. McCarthy goes back to Lambeau for the first time as the, as the Cowboy coach. So we'll see how that interaction is with he and Rodgers. Um, but that'll be interesting to see as well. So from a gambling perspective, a couple things that I do like. I would probably take Minnesota plus the three and a half on Sunday, especially if Josh Allen doesn't play. Um, potentially, I would potentially take, uh, potentially might, might look at the Green Bay Packers plus the five. I don't know why I think that, but uh, this might be, a, five points is a lot of points in Lambeau Field. So, Potentially might do that. Houston and the Giants. The Giants are minus four and a half. Xavier McKinney, they're starting safety with a dumbass uh, ATV accident on their bye week. He's going to be out a month. He's a good player for them. So that's going to hurt them as well. Um, you know, potentially Pittsburgh plus one and a half at home coming off a bye week against the Saints, who were kind of reeling. Saints are not a very good team, especially offensively. Um, that'd be a game that I would potentially look at. And then you have. Um, you got Denver, Tennessee is kind of an interesting game. Will Tannehill play? 
we don't know what the situation there is with Tannehill. They need Tannehill more than they thought they were going to need him. Malik Willis is not ready to play at the NFL level. Can't do it. Uh, you got a tough Denver defense coming in there. That will be an interesting game, especially if, if Tannehill doesn't play. But I would expect Tannehill probably to play this week, figure out a way to get on the field. I know he's had an ankle injury and had a little illness, but I, I would probably do Tannehill. Um, and, again, I think that Seattle-Tampa Bay game is a very interesting game on Sunday. Remember, 9.30 a.m. start Eastern time. If you're Again, if you're uh, in for the Munich game, um, I like Tampa Bay minus the three. I think they're going to figure it out. I think Geno Smith – Played well so far, but again, if the Bucks can contain Kenneth Walker, I think the Bucks are going to figure something out on offense in the passing game. Uh, and look for, for look for a couple guys. Look for some more Rashad White running the ball for the Bucks. Um, and again, look for that uh, passing attack to get on track a little bit. Seattle's defense ain't great. I think the Bucks are going to be able to find some some lanes and some opportunities in the passing game against the uh, college game. I like Tulane minus the two against Central Florida. That game's probably for first place in the AAC in a spot in the championship game. I'm going to take the home team, Tulane, minus the two. You got a couple other games. You got LSU at Arkansas. That is a tricky game. You have a good player in Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson. That will be a very good football game. Uh, I don't have a betting interest on that game. Wisconsin and Iowa. I'm going to take Iowa at home plus the one and a half. Uh, Wisconsin's not a very good offensive team, but I'm going to take Iowa at home in a low-scoring game, probably a field goal, three, four-point game. But give me Iowa at home plus the plus the one and a half as well. So uh, not a lot of great games on the college docket, to be honest. So I'll stop talking there. You're going to hear we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Chris Perez talking Astros, college football, and a little Kyrie as well. We're going to talk break down the Kyrie situation, how that impacts a locker room, clubhouse, Chris has been in a major league professional setting for many years. He'll be able to give you some. He's going to give you some great perspective on how those kind of situations play out in professional locker rooms and clubhouses. So, thanks for finding us again at JPO Sports on Twitter. Love to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and tell your friends about the podcast. No quarter given. All things Bucks, Florida football insiders, college football uh, centric podcast about the state of Florida. We are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network and the Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us, and you'll enjoy the podcast. Happy Veterans Day, and stay safe. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue. For all of your restaurant needs anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa, definitely reach out Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue and Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beef O'Brady's, Home Slice Pizza, or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night, college football, NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813 813- 
538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation, reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. We are going to talk to Chris Perez one more time here as the, as the baseball season winds down. Chris is two-time MLB All-Star, Cleveland Indians, St. Louis Cardinals, L.A. Dodgers. We're going to talk a little. We're going to talk World Series sponsored by Glad Glad Garbage Bags. No, <laughs> just kidding. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right, let's talk uh, World Series. What is what is Rob Thompson doing taking Zach Wheeler out after seventy pitches, man? I don't know. Um, Learning. What do these guys ever learn? I think I think Smoltz said it best. Like the more you see somebody in a series, the more you're on their pitches. And, uh, you know, Jordan had already faced um, Alvarado before. So um, me personally, you got to ride and die with your, your best pitcher. And that's Wheeler. I mean, he, he, you know, they hadn't given up anything all night. You just, you just took the lead the inning before, like that's, that's the shutdown inning. You know, that's, that's what you, that's what Wheeler is your ace. You, you let you, I, I, I would ride and die with him. Uh, obviously that's not what happened and now they're at home <laughs> i mean just just fans if, if we'll just go back here a little bit game six houston houston's down one nothing wheelers in the game the guy you're gonna pay you know 25 million dollars a year to and you bring in alvarado against to face Jordan alvarez and alvarez hits a ball to the moon about yeah. 500 feet now it's three to one and then basically the game is basically over but um i mean yeah, alvarado he got, he got brought into some some tough situations in that series. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you, like you said, you, you're going to pay this guy Wheeler so much money. Like, let's leave the ball into his hands, you know. Like, let's let's see what he can do. Uh, he, he handled he handled Alvarez all night already. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's – you got still you got to tip your hat to Alvarez. That was uh, – I think it was the hardest pitch that he's ever homered on in his career. Uh, you know, and, and straightaway center field, you know, I, he just – you know, he started the playoffs with a bang and he ended it with a bang. In between, he didn't do much, but that's why the Astros, uh, that's why they're they're pretty much a dynasty now. They're, they just have so many guys that could beat you. Pena wins the MVP. 
Bregman had big hits all series. Altuve got going a little bit. Kyle Tucker had uh, the big game one, and he didn't really do much the rest of the series. But they they just have so many guys that that they can that that can win games for them. No, I mean you're right. I mean in, again, Jeremy Pena. Everybody thought Correa leaving was going to be a big deal, and this guy Pena comes out of I don't say out of nowhere. I'm sure he's a good player and a prospect, but I mean he's played really well. World Series MVP, and uh, they're they're set up for, an, for for more a more of a run here. I mean most of their guys are younger guys; they don't have very much age on their team. One guy I want to give some some love to that doesn't never seem to get a lot of love because he doesn't look like he's overpowering. Your guy Presley, the closer. I mean, this guy just gets big out after big out. Everybody always thinks, oh, this guy's not a very not. He's an okay closer. He's not a superstar closer. He just gets it done time after time. He makes it so tough. Like none of his pitches are straight. You know, like he has such good control of his curveball and slider. Uh, and then, you know, he throws, he still throws 95, 96 and, and it looks like a hundred because he's been, you know, slowing their bats down with the off speed stuff. And uh, yeah, the moments never look too big for him. He, uh, you know, they, the Astros kind of played it the same way they've played it all year. You know, seventh, seventh inning was uh, Nary's Hector Nary's and then eighth inning uh, that I forget his name, but he's a you. That guy came out of nowhere. I mean, he's, he should be their closer, but you know, then again, uh, you know, Presley has the experience and, and matches up both, you know, righties and lefties. They're, they're just, they're just a well put together team. They, they had guys in the bullpen that didn't even throw that, that, that Phillies could use, you know, like Ryan Stanek, who used yes. to be the Ray. he didn't even throw in the world series. I, and he's one of the best relievers in, in the game. Plus they, I mean, Luis Garcia, the guy that threw five or six innings against the Mariners and he didn't throw one time this, this world series either. So, I mean, they're they're definitely set up for a, a multi-year run past what they've already done. You know, like it's just a, it, you got to tip your hat to the front office, especially after 2017 and 2018 having the I mean, they fired their GM. They fired, you know, that that's pretty much the guy that put all this stuff. Jeff Lunhow put all this stuff together. Right. You know, minus the cheating scandal. Like, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with drafting a player or, you know, he's the one that signed all these international pitchers. Yeah, uh, Javier, Frambois, Valdez, all those. I think they said the three guys signed for 140 grand combined. Like, God, it's just like it's, it's scouting. You know, it's scouting. It is it's scouting and development, and and uh, all these guys. Uh, they, they said it all during the playoff or during the World Series. You know, these guys signed later in their life too. Like, uh, I think Frambois Valdez was 21, maybe. And Javier yeah. was like 19. Like, they weren't 16 year olds. So, I mean. Hats off. They they've uh they put together a, a juggernaut over there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Are you are you a are you a uh supporter of, of that being a no hitter earlier in the series? Or you think it's what do you what are your yeah. thoughts on the combined no hitter? It's a no hitter, right? They got no hits. I agree. Uh, I, I I you know it's it stinks that Javier's pitch count was so high and he could have tried to finish it out himself, but I mean the game's changed. You know, that's you know, this is the way we play now. Uh th- I don't think there was one complete game all postseason. And, uh, you know, you go back into the 50s and 60s, the Dodge, the, the, you know, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the old Yankee teams. Uh, I mean, every game was a complete game pretty much. So um, it's just the way we are in, in today's game. Uh, you know, it, it's a no hitter. I know the Phillies, uh, they weren't feeling good after the game. Nobody, nobody could be feeling good. Only two guys got on base. And uh, um, it's only the second the third time in playoff history, second time in world series. Yep. Uh, Lars Larson still has the best though. Cause it was a perfect game. So, yep. uh, you know, that's, uh, I I couldn't imagine just the, you know, that happened so long ago. Obviously I wasn't alive, but, uh, you know, I think 
I don't know if you'll ever see one again, a perfect game. That's in the World Series, just with the pressure and the, and the way the media is. And it's just uh, it's a different animal nowadays. And and I think I think they'd have let they would have let Javier keep going had they not thought they might need him in Game Seven because I think they right. took him out because because he would be available in Game Seven had that been a later in the series or a regular season game they would have let him keep going I think I think so too and and he had thrown a I think he threw seven no hit innings and now the combined no hitter they had in New York earlier yeah. in the year so he had some experience you know dealing with that kind of pitch to pitch pressure you know it's right. not. It's not, you know, the game was was kind of out of hand, but you still feel that pressure as a pitcher because it is something special. You're not there every day, uh, you know, sure. especially in the playoffs. So uh, he had some experience with that. And, and, I mean, going into next year, you got to think he's going to throw one for sure. I mean, his stuff is just, you know, sometimes you get in the groove and, and you get into like this kind of, uh, you know, zone, as they say. But, uh, you know, he really doesn't do anything special. He, he, I mean, he does, but like he's not doing anything that he can't replicate next year. Like, right. His mechanics are great. His arm looks great. He, now he has the success that go behind it, and the way he is, like I don't think he showed any emotion. Um, so, like, yeah, he's a he's a bona fide ace, and and with Verlander being a free agent, you know, maybe you let him go. You know, like he is getting up in age. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they got a lot of options for sure. So when you're warming up for in, a, in in warm ups here, you know, getting loose during, before the game, I know you're more of a closer, so you're, you're more quicker. But when you were a starter, how did you know? Hey man, I got great stuff today. I'm boy. I can't. I can't do. I can't. What, what is that feeling that you just don't have the snap on the ball? What is that feeling that you know I got great stuff today, or I don't have much? It's a. Well, that's a funny question because it's a flip of a coin. Sometimes when pitchers come back from the bullpen and like they made every pitch and they threw it exactly where they want, they're like, oh boy, you know, like what's going to happen when I go out in the field? And then the other side is when you have the bad warm up session and you can't throw a strike to save your life. You're like, well, you know, it's going to be good out there. Um, you know, I think it's more of obviously your body has a lot to do with it. Some nights it just comes out free and easy and, and it feels like you can throw, you know, 10 innings and have no problems. Other nights, you know, your shoulders a little creaky, they're a little more stiff or it, it, a lot of it goes into it. I think for me personally, the first pitch of the, of, of the at bat of my first, you know, the first pitch of the outing, uh, told me a lot. If, uh, you know, if it came out free I, and I would actually look at the velocity, not to see how hard I was throwing, just to see like, all right, tonight I got it. You know, I got my good stuff tonight because sometimes you can't tell. Sometimes, uh, you know, you, you think you got your good stuff and, and it just doesn't have the same, uh, you know, finish on it or carry. Uh, and that affects how you pitch. You know, if you're a guy that tries to blow somebody away up top and you don't have that extra zip, well, maybe tonight you throw the slider a little bit more. Um, you know, those those guys, though, I mean. And that kind of, uh, I, like, I've never been in that stage on the playoffs. They're so focused probably that, I mean, it's it's much rarer to have a have one of those outings where you can't, you know, can't throw a strike, you can't get out of the first inning. It happens, but, um, you know, in the World Series, it, it seems like in the World Series, the pitchers always bring their A game. And it, and it is, you know, the best of the best. They've, they've you know, gotten there for a reason. Um, but, I, yeah, for me, it was the first pitch, the first batter, starters, um, like I said, some of them, they want to have a bad bullpen because it changes completely when you get out to the field. You know, the adrenaline, <laughs> uh, the, the backdrop even. Um, some starters w wouldn't leave the, the bullpen until they got all their pitches working, you know. Right. And, and I never understood that because it is, a, you know, most of the bullpens are facing completely different directions than, than when you come into the field. You know, especially like Philadelphia, they're out in center field right. uh, going horizontal. Uh, you know, then you go out into the field, you're facing a completely different direction. So. Uh, I didn't put too much onus on my results in the bullpen. I, I just wanted to know how I felt.
Talk real quick, and, I'll, and then we'll move on. Last thing. How challenging is it to throw to a backdrop when you have the, such a huge crowd behind, in front of you? You've come yeah. from the mound, thrown into home plate. Some of these places are so gigantic as far as the the out the, the layout of the stadium. What is that? What is that depth perception like as opposed to like a bullpen? Oh, it changes big time. Uh, you know that's why home field advantage is is and, and being a veteran is such an is an advantage because. Uh, even in spring training, some of those new stadiums, they have the, the the backdrop that goes all the way down to the ground. There's no like, you know, advertising or anything behind it. It's right. hard to pick up hard to pick up your target sometimes if you're checking a runner at second and you know you are you're looking at second, looking at second, and then you, you spin real fast. It's it's hard to pick up your catcher. Um and not to mention like sometimes white shirts and stuff, like right. It it is a big difference. Uh luckily in the big leagues, most of them, most of the fields are pretty uniform back there you know they they have uh you know the distance between the the seats and is always different but usually the backdrop's usually pretty good for the pitcher um some fields like Fenway stands out in my mind um it doesn't feel like so much as a mound because they have the kind of it's built up along the way so like the grass around the mound is higher so like when you're on top of the on the mound it's the same you know the same height but it doesn't feel like that it feels <laughs> like you're kind of going uphill a little bit okay um and then other stadiums, uh, I'm trying to think of one that had really bad optics. Like like Dodger Stadium, had, it just felt like you could place the ball right in the catcher's glove. I don't know. For some reason, the way their backdrop is, it feels like you're 55 feet away. So it, every every stadium is different for sure. Houston, a dynasty? Or do they have to yeah. win another – do they have to win another title outside of the, the scandal that's won in 17? I think it's uh, it's definitely a, a, a like a two-chapter dynasty. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's some of the same players, but it's definitely a, like a different pitching staff. Uh, but I mean, they've been the six straight ALCSs. So right. I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, they had their one down year in 2020 where they barely won the West, but they still made it to the ALCS and they gave the Rays everything they could handle. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a dynasty. Uh, like I said, it's like a, a two chapter dynasty. Cause now, you know, Dusty Baker's here, this, this chapter, um, you know, AJ Hinch was there before. Uh, but I mean, the, yeah, the, they're definitely a, a dynasty. Uh, kind of like if you look back in the early 90s or the mid-90s Braves. Yeah, um, right. You know, the Braves didn't have the scandals and stuff, but uh, a cast of great players, a lot of Hall yeah. of Famers on that Braves team. Uh, you know, there, there's a couple of future Hall of Famers, I think, here on Houston. So uh, it, it's kind of amazing how they've done it, actually, because, like I said, when you lose your your GM and the guy that's in charge of scouting, like, yeah. you know how ran, he ran the show over there. And then to make those free agent decisions, let Springer walk, let let Correa walk, yeah, and then to not miss a beat and actually be better than ever, I think um, it's 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 remarkable, really. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's uh, they and they have good. They don't have a all timer great. That's the weird thing. Alvarez was a guy they got in a in a meeting kind of a throw in trade guy. I mean, these aren't these weren't guys. I mean, Bregman was kind of a guy that you thought was going to be really good, but they don't have the the Ken Griffey, they don't have a trout kind of guy. That's they just got a bunch of really, really good players, and they look like they have fun playing them together. That's right. and that, that has you know that has a lot to do with it too. You know, it looks like the um, all the pitchers, uh, those Latin pitchers, they all seem to feed off of each other and help each yeah. other and actually want to you know want the other person to succeed more than they do, and and it shows. And they have fun, and I mean, uh, you, you saw you saw uh, Fromberg coming out of the dugout as soon as. Alvarez hit that home run. He was the first one out. So, 
um, yeah, they, they all get along great. It looks like, and, and the best player on the team, you know, credential wise is Verlander. And, uh, you know, he, he missed all of last year. Uh, but you know, he still provides pretty good leadership for those young pitchers. So, um, they've got, they've got a lot going on and, and, you know, they're going to add a couple pieces here in the off season, probably, you know, they're going to spend some money. Uh, and they got those young guys that, like I said, Luis Garcia didn't even pitch in the world series and, you know, <laughs> He'd be a number two or three guy for a lot of teams. The Phillies the, for the Phillies for sure, yeah. So uh, they definitely got a lot of options. I don't know what the status is of their bullpen, but I mean, right. with Abreu and Presley, like it seems like those kind of guys aren't going to be going anywhere. So they should be making a run for it again next year. Did you have a piece of the seventy-five million dollars that the mattress man <laughs> that the mattress guy won? <laughs> right. I mean, he had a good. He had the best World Series, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to know how much of that he's letting it ride for next year. You know, That's like... right. <laughs> Those of you that don't know, there's a mattress, a furniture guy in uh, Houston, a business owner. He always makes these huge bets, and this year he won $75 million on his action on the Astros. Yeah, he uh, he had better odds than I got. <laughs> right. He was betting all year. He was betting all season. Um, right. Yeah, he, he. it's funny, uh, uh, you know, because he has to pay taxes on the winnings, right? So. I want to know if he comes out on top every year. I know he, he said he sold like $50 million worth of furniture, uh, but you have to pay taxes on that too. So <laughs> he'll be okay. I, 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 I'd be, uh, I'd be willing to bet he'd, he'd be, he's going to be okay. Yeah. He's like that guy, my, uh, you know, the, the Marlins man that goes all around the country and, and sits yeah. behind home plate and has the Marlins jersey on. Like yeah. he's just spending his, you know, he's spending his money the way he wants to. And the other guy, another guy, you got to be happy for Edwin Diaz. Just got five years and a hundred million from the Mets. Yeah, I'm shocked they gave him that much time, that many years as a, as not as a as a closer kind of because you know some yeah. I mean, it, it can it can come and go quick. And I know he had a great year and he's had a good couple years for the Mets, but to commit five years and a hundred million that's a that's a that's a big that's a big number. It's a big commitment. Uh, you know, it it, it kind of shows. Uh, you know, they're kind of rewarding them. I mean, he had a great year. They don't finish where they are this year without him. Uh, the fans love him now with his entrance music and everything. He's, he's yeah. become like a spectacle. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know what the market is or I don't know who they're bidding against. But, right. yeah, five years is a long time for a reliever um, to be. You can't expect him to be at that top of the level for that long. I mean, it's just so year to year. You know, like I said, some years you just come into the year and you're not you're not the same, you know, like this year he was obviously in, in a great groove and they were using him right. And he was, you know, they had a good team. So he's thrown every other night pretty much. So um, you just hope that you can bottle up that, that feeling and bring it over to next season. How, 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 how easy is it as an athlete to know that you got a little guaranteed money, that you got some guarantee in your, in your life, that some stability that you're not having to, I won't say pitch for your pitch for your dinner every night, but that, that yeah. somebody's got confidence in you and that you're going to be around for a little while. It helps out a lot. I mean, uh, you know, our, especially pitching side, you know, you're one or two pitches away from maybe being done forever with injuries. So it's nice having that guaranteed locked in. Um, at the same time, you hope it doesn't take that edge off, you know, like some guys pitch better with having that kind of pressure hanging over them. Uh, and now, you know, now during the off season, you're like, do I do that extra workout? Just, you know, I got a five-year contract, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Do I, you know, throw that extra bullpen. Uh, it's just, it, it changes some guys' mentalities. Uh, the the great ones are the ones that just play and, and get paid on the side. You know, they, just, they don't worry about the contract. They, they don't change anything up. And that's why they're, they're the great ones. 
now that the season's over for everybody, how long how long does the average guy take off and they do nothing as far as baseball activities? Do you guys take a month off? Do you, do you keep doing some cardio stuff? How, how long before you start doing stuff with your arm again? Everybody's different. Uh, you know, um, if you're coming off an injury or something, obviously that's going to change your schedule. I would always take the whole month. I never played deep into the playoffs, so I was always home around October um, at the beginning. So I would take all of October and November off and then start playing catch and working out and moving again in December and then January, definitely like two days and, and definitely throwing every day on a throwing program. Um, the older you get, you kind of get your own routine and, and you know how your, how your body feels and how it reacts. So, uh, like I said, everybody, I'm sure there's some guys that are on the Phillies that are working out today. Um, just that's how they're, you know, if it's, you know, it's not like heavy power lifting, but it's like, you know, re- recovery, yeah. working on some injuries, maybe strengthening a shoulder or something. Yeah. There's, uh, some guys don't take off any days. Some of those Latin guys go straight to Dominican and start playing winter ball. So everybody's different and everybody stays in shape differently. Cool. Interesting. All right. Listen to Chris Perez, two-time MLB all-star closer. I'm Jason powers on sports podcast brought to you by Beepo Brady's over here in Carrollwood Forest Hills, Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue here in the Tampa Bay area. Definitely stop by Beast for all your sports watching, viewing uh, pleasures over the weekend. Every day, really. They got stuff going on every single day over there and do a great job. All right, I want to ask you about Kyrie Irving. You obviously had his comments he made, you know, the, the, the stand he took and supporting of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the anti-Semitism film that was out and all that stuff. His refusal to apologize. He then gets suspended by the Nets, which I think was absolutely deserved. Just how is it when, when there's a controversial topic in a locker room or a dugout and somebody's involved, how do you, how do, how do the teammates handle that kind of stuff when there's something that's kind of controversial going on with another guy? Um, that's a tough one. That's especially that one. Uh, usually me personally, I mean, I would just let it not affect me. I mean, you know, it doesn't have any kind of bearing on what's going to, I'm going to do on the quarter or the field that night. Uh, the only thing you have to deal with is more questions from the media about it. Um, but I mean, you know, if, if it's a guy that you're kind of close to, you, could, you you definitely want to talk to him and see what's going on. Unfortunately, Kyrie's been doing this for a couple of years now. So uh, maybe not to this extent, but he's been, he's been, you know, a sideshow for a couple of seasons now. So if you're on that team, you're pretty much used to it. Pro- probably uh, it doesn't help. It's definitely a distraction. Uh, you know, every coach, that's what they want to eliminate is distractions because there's enough that come up during the season, um, injuries and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you just, like I said, me personally, you still, you're a professional. You still have a job to do that night. You know, what, what Kyrie says isn't going to affect my play on the court. Right. Um, you know, it sucks that he got suspended as a teammate because, you know, as a team, they're better with him uh, on the court. And, you know, it's just a couple more questions that you're going to have to, you know, answer from the media pretty much. I mean, uh, now you have to go over where you're going to say, so you, you know, you, you don't want to distance yourself too far from Kyrie. You're still your teammate and everything, but, and everybody's entitled to their views. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to be associated with that kind of stuff. So right. it's a fine line. And, and the easiest thing is just to kind of give the cliche answers and, and say, you know, I'm here to support him as a teammate. I don't agree with what he said, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, at some point, if you're close to a guy like that or a teammate that's, really out really out to one extreme or the other 
do you say, hey, bro, what are you doing, man? Come on, yeah, you realize sure. what's going on here. You're ruining, you're ruining your career. I mean, that kind of talk about career and things like that. Yeah, for sure. If you you know been around him for a couple seasons, and you know you, you know him feel like you're friends. Yeah, if you know him, yeah. Um, that's where it gets kind of shady though, because you know if it's your first or second year on the team and you don't really know him that well, even right. if you're a veteran or whatever, you know that's really not your place to step in. Um, you know that's you would hope to. I don't know. It's a tough situation. Um, me personally. Like I said, baseball is a little more different than basketball. Basketball has a lot more downtime. You know, they don't play every day. So they got practice and you got days off and stuff like that. Baseball, you know, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Right. You know, if he's not on the team and he's on this road trip, like he's back at Cleveland doing whatever he wants or wherever he's at. Like, right. That doesn't affect us. Basketball is a little different. It's a little closer knit. You know, there's only 12 guys on a team. Um, and But at, at that stage, most of those guys should have been used to distractions already. I mean, right. he's a, he's a circus man. Yeah, he is. And you're, you're playing. He, I think he's still with Brooklyn, right? Like, right. I mean, right. the New York media, they're used to pretty much anything really. So um, it's more of a distraction than, and, and the coach has to spend time on it now. And it's, so it's just a, it's just not, not a good situation. All right, what you think of the college football playoff came out uh, on Tuesday night? Georgia, clearly number one now, thumping Tennessee. You got Michigan, Ohio State, TCU. Yeah, obviously Michigan, Ohio State's going to play each other anyway, so they're going to take care of each other. Uh, TCU has got a tough two weeks now at Texas, at Baylor. Uh, I think That'd it's a good right story. Where's... That'd be a good story, kind of the, the little guy. I know TCU's not a little guy, but – Nobody thought they were going to be any good this year. A lot of people thought they'd be sixth or seventh in their conference. They're kind of on a miracle run here. They keep winning close games. That'd be a cool story if they could get the last couple couples. I just, I just don't think I don't know if they're going to get past this week. I mean, yeah. uh, everybody keeps doubting them. Um, Texas is favored this week. Yeah. That that kind of throws a a question mark up to me to that game. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think the I think the playoffs look like what they should. Ohio State had a rough game in Northwestern, but uh it was you know it's weather it was windy and and right. you know they still won they're undefeated um it, it's all gonna play out i mean uh the only my question is sec still so like all right so lsu wins out during the sec title game with two losses and, and one of those losses was to a, tennessee, a tennessee killed them a one loss tennessee team right, right. now um so like if you took away the names of the schools and you just looked at the resume, so you got LSU with two losses, one of them against a top t- ten team, and then you ha- you'll have if they beat Georgia and which is a big if. I mean they still have to right right. It's a big if. Georgia hasn't lost anybody, and they have two. They beat Oregon and they beat Tennessee. So, I mean, I like chaos. I I like chaos. I th- I think there's a way for a two loss SEC team to get in. Oh, I think if LSU runs the table, they're in. I think if they win the rest of them, they're in. I th- I think so too. Even with an und- uh, a one loss Pac twelve team. Yep. I th- I think I think their strength of schedule, even with the early loss to FSU, who's better than people thought, yep. they're ranked now. Yeah, I think a two loss. I think you know if, if Georgia makes it to the SEC championship game and loses, I think they still make it in too. I agree. So now, then you might have a one loss Tennessee team sitting there whose only loss is to the, the number one team, Georgia, and they might not get in over a two-loss LC. It's just – And then you it, might have a one-loss Oregon team who runs the table, and their only loss is to Georgia. And then you might have an undefeated TCU team sitting there. 
So, like, how would you leave if TCU <laughs> runs the table and LSU runs the table? So you'll have a one-loss Georgia, a two-loss LSU, a, a no-loss TCU, a one-loss Tennessee, and a one-loss Oregon, maybe. And then, so and like, then Michigan, Ohio State will be undefeated, probably. It's gonna. That's. I mean, they've already voted to expand the playoffs. So, I mean, th- yep. this, this, it's gonna be fun. I think all that can happen. I, I can see Tennessee running the table. I don't know if LSU is going to run the table. Right. Uh, That's the wild I, card. They're the wild card. They're the chaos, but they're the chaos creators, LSU. They are. And if, and if Georgia beats LSU, they're by far the – I mean, they've they've played everybody almost. You know, like they have to be the favorites going into the playoff for sure. You got um, If they beat LSU, yeah. It's, but it's, 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 it's crazy. It's 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You never know what's going to happen. You're right. You're right about that, man. You are right about that. Well, Chris Perez, appreciate the time this week, man. We'll definitely have you on as we go through the offseason and, and the winter the winter meetings, stuff like that. If we got any big baseball news and Chris can talk any sports, so we'll have Chris on again because he he's, he does a great job. He can talk at all. We'll, as we get closer to the playoff, we'll have him back on and we'll talk a little NFL as well. So appreciate the time, Chris, and have yeah, a thanks great for week, me. man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Uh, yeah, I, I can talk pretty much all sports, so I love it. You got it, man. All right. See you, buddy. All right. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.